Hans Landa said in Inglorious Bastards, Facts can be misleading, but rumors, true or false, are often revealing. And if that is the case for today's list, it's only revealing how stupid we all are as MMA fans. It's time to run down some of the most outlandish and eventually proven false gossip that's ever been whispered about around the old fight game water cooler. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, a huge thank you to our biggest channel supporters and our Hall of Famers, and this is the 10 dumbest MMA rumors people actually believed. Number Number 10. Over Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Beam out, mirror in. Okay, I'll be honest, this one I kind of wish was true. Not that I don't love Alistair Overeem, but the story would have just been too perfect, and given the outcome we did eventually get, I would have much preferred what was rumored. So right after UFC 140, word around the MMA media campfire was that the Reem was off the 141 card as a headliner against Brock Lesnar due to a PED failure and in his place, are you ready for this? The trilogy bout with Frank fucking Mir would be taking place. I mean, how awesome would that have been? Dana White was asked about this and outright denied that there was even an issue, but the thing is, there was a little bit of fire to this smoke. Alistair was having testing issues in the lead up to the fight, but he never failed anything. It's just that his pre-fight samples were deemed unacceptable, resulting in an INSAC hearing a few weeks before the fight, where he was granted a a conditional license, and the bout went on his schedule. Did you have a plan B in case Alistair was not licensed by the, the commission here in Nevada? Yeah, we started talking to Mir, told Mir to get in shape and get ready. So there was no fail, and then Brock got kicked right in the diverticulitis. Number nine, John Jones' tainted blow. Joe Rogan has a podcast. I'm not sure if any of you were aware of that. Giant bearhead clamped down on your dick and your asshole. <laughs> and you're going, no! and that's how you die. And this one time in 2017, he shared a wild rumor on it. After John Jones tested positive for trace amounts of Ball and had his victory against Daniel Cormier in their rematch overturned, the disgraced former champ didn't have have any great explanation as to why it happened, at one point claiming that somebody spiked something he was eating or drinking to sabotage his career. Rogan, who shared this quote craziest fucking rumor with Brennan Schaub on some episode of his MMA podcast that apparently has disappeared off the face of the internet, claimed he'd heard from an unnamed source that Jones had been partying before the fight and that it was coke cut with Chinese creatine that was tainted with T-ball that was the culprit. Joe went on to explain that sometimes these creatine supplements from China are tainted with better stuff, and then because it's a white powder, it's used to cut the yayo, and so Jones accidentally ingested some while having a good time in the lead-up to the fight. So yeah, maybe that is how a 1960s East German PED ended up in his system, or maybe he cheated, maybe that. Number 8. Nate Marquardt's Mysterious Release Although he would make his return to the promotion just a few years later, back in 2011, a day prior to a scheduled bout with Rick Story, Nate Marquardt was abruptly released from the UFC. FC, with very little explanation given beyond that he didn't pass his physical. Nate's done. I'm done with Nate. He's a real sweet, nice, humble guy. 
but the facts are the facts, and it is what it is. This led to all kinds of speculation over the weekend, chronicled by Middle Easy. One theory was that Nasty Nate had been trying to hide some sort of condition he had, and when it was discovered, the UFC was so upset that he was lying to them about whatever this was that they gave him the boot. Another was that Marquardt was trying to hide some condition that was going to somehow hurt the UFC's potential for a new TV rights deal? What could Nate have had that would warrant that kind of response from what would have been Fox Sports at the time? I have absolutely no idea because that makes no sense. The third rumor was that the UFC and the commission were aware of some therapy Marquardt was getting but had allegedly abused. Something called testosterone replacement therapy? Yeah, so it turned out it was the last one. Nice. Nate had a TRT medical exemption, but had a TE ratio outside the allowed range on fight week, and so was pulled from the bout and subsequently cut from the promotion, nobody at the time realizing that the problem was just a splash in the coming TRT controversy tidal wave on its way only a few years later. Number 7. Leon Edwards' Red Panty Night One of the defining characteristics of Chael Sonnen is that you can never tell when he's being serious or when he's running some kind of angle. Maybe we're all just marks, but one story coming from the bad guy last year that picked up some traction was the rumor that Leon Edwards was not going to be the next title challenger for Kamaru Usman that was looking to be scheduled for the summer. You guys want to hear a rumor? But I am being told that Leon has been offered his show and his win. Whatever was negotiated for Leon to fight Kamara is being offered to we will mail you a check to step aside with the belief being that Connor's going to step in. The thing about this is, it's super believable, right? I'm a little <laughs> lost, but fair enough. Okay, maybe it's not, but the internet went crazy with it. Edwards was not a draw and was not popular with the UFC audience. Connor is a huge moneymaker. A third title would be huge money. So for those reasons, it probably did make a lot of sense to some people. Edwards' reply on Twitter was, well, not exactly taking the claim seriously. The two, of course, would fight that August with Rocky earning the gold. Connor would not fight in 2022, and probably not in 2023, it's looking like. Number 6. Frank Fertitta's Outburst It was one of those weird-ass moments that gets everybody talking and everybody speculating. Right after Conor McGregor knocked out Jose Aldo in just 13 seconds at UFC 194, among all the absolutely wild reactions to the moment, cameras on one of the angles of the slow-motion replay caught former UFC owner Frank Fertitta slamming the featherweight title down on the table in front of him. This led to all sorts of speculation as to why he did that. After all, slamming things on tables is generally not how people celebrate things. But maybe it is? Rumors ranged from Frank having a bunch of money on Aldo, which I doubt was the case, and even if it was, I doubt there's any amount of money that man could lose or bet that would hurt him at all, to Frank realizing that the beast they'd created known as Conor McGregor was now going to be completely uncontrollable as champion. Which is true, but I don't think that's why he slammed it down either. The Boston Herald asked Dana White about the strange reaction, and he said, quote, Frank Fertitta is a fucking moose, okay? He flips tables over and everything else. It wasn't anything negative or positive. It was just his reaction to Jose Aldo getting knocked out in one punch, you know? Honestly, that makes more sense than any of the rumors. He's just a fucking moose. Number 5. George St. Pierre's Spider Feed Back in 2012, the idea of GSP fighting Anderson Silva was all the rage. Is the GSP fight the one that you want? Yeah, this is my focus. GSP. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not scared of <laughs> nobody. I, I want to fight the best. Uh, and uh, it's just depend the condition. Like they I would said. certainly have big plans. We're talking Cowboys Stadium, 100,000 fans. Who knows? We'll see what's going to happen. I am literally going to call George St. Pierre today. 
man I'm going to talk today and I'm going to see what he wants to do. Both men were at the peaks of their careers and had been the most dominant champions in the sport for the last half decade. Not only that, but they were just a weight class away from each other. What could be more perfect than a super fight between them? And while the reasons this fight never materialized are varied, one reason that got some traction was a bit absurd. Mike Straka on an episode of the MMA Beat had said, Mike Straka of SiriusXM Tapout Radio and Fight Now TV. Hello, Mike. Hello, Ariel. I was told by somebody very close to George that George today makes close to $8 million a fight. So to fight Anderson Silva, the, he's gonna ask for $50 million. 5-0? 5-0. Wow. But he believes that Anderson could actually hurt him, could physically hurt him and end his career. So to take that chance, he wants $50 million, and that's exactly the number that he's gonna go to Dana White with. $50 million to fight Anderson Silva. Now, there's no doubt that both champions would have received their biggest payday for that fight, and it certainly would have done well. Maybe the best-selling pay-per-view in UFC history at that time. But if you look ahead to Maymac, the second biggest combat sports event ever, Connor was only guaranteed $30 million. So to say that you would give GSP 50 back in 2012, it's just not happening. St. Pierre was asked about the figure and denied its authenticity. Number four. Mayweather in the UFC. Remember a few years ago when Floyd Mayweather did that stupid social media post where he walked into a cage? 2018, Floyd Money Mayweather. MMA. Damn, is Floyd coming to MMA, but it was just a shitty ad for a sports book? Well, believe it or not, that wasn't the first time we stupidly believed that money was headed for the sport. Uh, they gonna present the right numbers. And I'm, we're gonna make it happen. All the way back in 2008, a site called MediaTakeout.com was reporting that Floyd Mayweather was in talks to fight in the UFC for some serious cash. The story had enough legs that a sports radio host out of Sacramento reportedly contacted Dana White to confirm or deny the rumor. He then posted the message he got from the UFC president in reply, which read, Laugh my fucking ass off. Never. I have been in London and just landed in NYC. If I was gonna pay $200 million, it would be to mixed martial artists who fight their fucking asses off, not a bunch of pussy boxers that don't fucking fight. And you can quote me on that. I just did, Dana. Well, I guess that settles that one. Number three, Robert Whitaker saves child. This is a really weird one. When Bobby Nux pulled out of his fight with Jared Cannonier a few years back with little explanation as to why he did so before ghosting for a bit, everybody was speculating about what it is that happened. And that is fairly normal. It's normal. Everybody always wants to know why a fight is off. But when Dana White said that Whitaker's withdrawal was for personal reasons before praising him as a selfless and good human being. Let me put it to you this way. That's that's personal for Whitaker. It's, if Whitaker wants to talk about that, he can. The reason Robert Whitaker is not fighting in this fight is one of the most unselfish things I've ever seen in my life. He's a good human being, and uh, I have a lot of respect for him, and uh, good luck to him and what he's dealing with right now. And uh, I literally, I can't put into words and articulate how I feel about Robert Whitaker. He's the real deal, man. Then the UK Sun reported in a piece that Whitaker's reason for pulling out was because he had donated bone marrow to his sick daughter, and so he was too physically depleted to compete. This caused an outpouring of support, as you can imagine, but Bob later told the Daily Telegraph he has no idea where that story came from and that his kids were totally healthy. He apparently found out the rumor from his own dad. Now, 
I know trusting the sun is like trusting a mustache-twirling cartoon villain with a hand behind their back, but MMA isn't exactly a place that waits for verification on a lot of stories. Number 2. Silva vs. Silva This one is wild, and it comes from, you would think, a pretty damn credible source, that being UFC matchmaker Joe Silva. Now, unfortunately, the original post for this one has been lost to time, as even the Wayback Machine doesn't have the OP by Silva archived. But what we do have is an article from Luke Thomas back in 2007 on Bloody Elbow, relaying the highlights of what it is that Joe had said. Apparently, Anderson Silva's beef with Shootabox was going to hit new levels when a month before the bout, the spider had been rumored by the matchmaker to want to train with Chuck Liddell to prepare him for his fight with Vanderlei Silva at UFC 79. It gets better though, if Chuck were to lose, Silva said that Anderson was planning on moving up to 205 pounds to fight Vandy himself. Well, holy fucking shit balls. 15 balls. Now, of course, this did not come to be. As far as I could find, Silva did not train with Chuck in any way for that fight, and considering that Liddell won, there was no move up to 205 for a Vandy Spider fight. But Joe Silva isn't exactly some internet scrub spreading lies, so what kernel of truth this thing had, honestly, who knows? It does sound fairly plausible, so maybe things just fell through, but yeah, what a team up that would have been. Number one, Affliction takes on UFC 100. This is, without out of doubt my favorite rumor, or rather pair of rumors on this entire list, so I had to put them at number one. I promise they're nuts. As many of you may know, for a cup of coffee, Affliction wasn't just making dude bro shirts, they also had a fight promotion with a couple of Fedor headlined events in the late 2000s. Five Ounces of Pain posted a story in March of 2009 that Affliction was planning on counter-programming UFC 100 with a free television event. Bold move, Cotton, and one that would have been pretty interesting, honestly. Fedor and Lesnar going head-to-head, -head, and if they could have gotten on like CBS or ABC, that really would have been something. I still think 100 would have won out because Brock Lesnar was just white-hot at the time, but it doesn't matter. The card ended up being Affliction Trilogy on August 1st, so there was no counter-programming and no free TV. The event wouldn't even happen, actually, because 11 days after UFC 100, Josh Barnett would drop out of the main event with Fedor, and the promotion imploded. The other rumor, though, that was attached to Affliction and UFC 100 was that the owner planned on buying a bunch of tickets for the event, putting everyone in Affliction shirts and having them chant for Fedor during the main event. Can you imagine? That of course sadly did not happen either, probably because cage side seats were 40 grand. Man, so other than a few of these, I don't think we've talked about most of this stuff on the channel ever, and a lot of these I'd never even heard. It was a lot of fun going through these rumors, and I found so many we could probably do another one of these in the future. Luke, what do you think? You had to edit this thing together. Just do what 1FC does. Guys, go show Luke some love on his socials, and if you want some say in maybe us doing another list like this, maybe consider becoming a channel member. Not only might you be able to participate in the process, but there's some really cool behind the scenes and live streams and stuff. Just ask one of our many channel champions that I cannot thank enough, but hey, no commitment necessary. Liking and subscribing would be just swell as well. Alright guys, I'm out of here. Start some juicy MMA rumors in the comments below. Thanks everybody, peace.